1: away we go. Episode 282 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Thursday, March 31st, 2022. It is the final day of March 2022. And yes, I am back and the voice is pretty much back as well. A day of rest did me well. Trust me, I hated I despised, I loathed not doing a show for Wednesday. My plan certainly had been to do a show for Wednesday, but as I was trying to record that show on Tuesday night, and then again, early on Wednesday morning, the voice was shot, okay? The voice would not cooperate. Uh, I thought that the voice was getting better, but uh, for whatever reason, Tuesday was a setback day. I was like Curtis Samuel this past Washington football season trying to come back from the groin injury from hell. I had a setback uh, and I did not sound good. I sounded even worse than I normally sound. Uh, That is quite the helpless feeling, you know, when you have words and they're just not coming outright but I certainly feel better now the voice certainly sounds better now cross my fingers okay hopefully there's not another setback uh but thank you very much for all of the nice tweets all of the nice emails it is nice to be back with you on this Thursday installment of the Al Galdi podcast we have so much to talk about uh next segment what the heck is the deal with our beloved owner of the Commanders, Dan Snyder, a.k.a. Danny Boy. Uh, we, over the last few days, have had so much confusion, uh, dare I say chaos, uh, regarding Dan's role with the team, what he is and isn't allowed to be doing with the team. Uh, he is still the team's owner, we know that, but beyond that, uh, nothing seems to be clear right now. I will attempt to sort through the confusion next segment as well as address uh, very interesting comments from one Alex Smith on Wednesday. Yes, former Washington quarterback Alex Smith basically trashed the commander's organization on Wednesday. Now, he trashed the organization in his oh-so-nice Alex Smith kind of way, but make no mistake, he trashed the organization. Uh, Also on the show, I will go through a number of notable comments from the head coach of the Commanders, Ron Rivera, at the NFL's annual league meeting. Uh, I tell you, Ron was on fire on Tuesday morning. Ron fired back at critics of the commanders. He is tired of all of the negativity surrounding the team. Ron talked a lot about Carson Wentz, who, oh, by the way, got filleted by Indianapolis Colts owner and CEO Jim Irsay on Tuesday. I'm definitely going to talk about that. Uh, But Ron uh, said some noteworthy things about Chase Young on Tuesday morning, including what Chase apparently will be doing this offseason. I will discuss all of these things over the course of the show. Uh, I will talk Wizards. Uh, They are on the verge of being eliminated from play-in tournament contention, but the Wiz have not been eliminated yet. Uh, Two games for the Wiz over the last two days, a 107-94 loss to the Chicago Bulls at Capital One Arena on Tuesday night and a 127-110 win over the Orlando Magic at Capital One Arena on Wednesday night. And I will talk Nationals. Uh, They, on Wednesday afternoon, lost an exhibition game To the St. Louis Cardinals, 29-8. Yes, the final score of the game was 29-8. Anibal Sanchez got rocked. Cade Cavalli got rocked. Uh, It would seem that we should slow our roll (laughs) on Cavalli potentially being in the Nats opening day rotation. Lots going on in sports. How about the major breaking NFL news on Wednesday night? Bruce Arians out as Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach. Uh, That came out of nowhere. Uh, Arians is transitioning to a role of senior football consultant. The Buccaneers have promoted defensive coordinator and former Redskins defensive back Todd Bowles to the position of head coach. What a crazy NFL offseason this has been. Uh, Remember, you can subscribe to the Al Galdi podcast. Subscribing costs you nothing. Make sure that you never miss an episode. Also, if you haven't yet rated and reviewed the podcast, please do those things wherever you can. Uh, The most prominent place is Apple Podcasts, which is how most people listen to this podcast. Please give the podcast a five-star rating and write like a one or two-sentence review saying how much that you like the podcast. And thank you very much for doing those things. They help to make the podcast successful. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. So like I said, I've received a lot of nice uh, feedback regarding me losing my voice. I also, though, have received a lot of entertaining feedback regarding me losing my voice and uh, not doing a show for Wednesday. Tweet from Mike Yoho. I was like, where is my podcast? My fix. I hope you're better soon. Yes, thank you, Mike. Uh, I'm like your dealer. I provide you with your fix. I am the Pablo Escobar of uh, Washington, D.C. Sports Talk. Tweet from Rich Poland. Feel better. You have a lot of doctor listeners. Probably a lot of tweets advocating hot tea with honey. Have not missed a single pod since episode one, even on vacation in Greece. Get well soon. Well, thank you, Rich. Uh, You're right. There are a lot of doctors. Who listen to this podcast. And yes, nothing goes better with this podcast in Greece than some baklava. A tweet from Joel Happy Thanksgiving and feel better. Uh, Yes, Joel, happy Thanksgiving to you too.
2: Happy Thanksgiving.
1: (laughs) Yes, Ron, thank you. A tweet from Larry Brown appreciated the flu game performances (laughs) the past few episodes get well soon. Tweet from Ronald Copeland, Al, stop getting so vocally expressive over Nat spring training games. Hope you feel better. Uh, Thank you, Ronald. It's hard not to get worked up over Nat spring training games, especially the spring training game that took place on Wednesday. I'll talk about that later in the show. Tweet from Burgundy Bob, honey and lemon juice mixed with a shot of Jack Galdi. Tweet from Tundy. see, like football players, you came back too soon and have aggravated your injury. Hope nothing big breaks and you miss the playoffs. Uh, yes, Tundi, I needed some, shall we say, uh, goodies from Ryan Vermilion, huh? I needed the good stuff. I needed the good bits from RV. Uh, well, if you own, run, or work out of business, you, of course, always want the good stuff for your business, and there's no better way to get good stuff for your business than by working with Imageworks. Imageworks is a full-service boutique, web design, branding, and marketing company. Imageworks will take your business to the next level and make you more money. ImageWorks is located in the DMV, but serves the entire country by utilizing a virtual approach with the latest video meeting software to engage, communicate, and share award-winning designs. ImageWorks can help your business in so many ways. Website design, website redesign, logos and corporate identity, video creation, content writing and strategy, brand language and voice, and so much more. And ImageWorks right now has a special offer for listeners of the Galdi podcast, a free review of your website and SEO visibility to establish a base of where you are and map a chart for where you want to be. You see, Imageworks is more than a branding and marketing firm. Imageworks is your collaborative partner, your one-stop shop for business growth. So here's what you do. Go to imageworkscreative.com, click on contact, you're the upper right corner, and make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast for the free offer. That's image, one word, works, plural, creative.com. Imageworkscreative.com. Click on contact near the upper right corner and make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast for the free offer. Uh, also, you can call or text the owner of ImageWorks, Scott, at 703-928-7309. That's 703-928-7309. Uh, Scott's a big fan of all Washington, D.C. area teams. He is a regular listener of this podcast, and he loves brainstorming ideas and technology that can help you grow your business. Scott has been doing what he is doing since 1996. Hit him up, 703-928-7309, and make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast for the free offer. Image Works, creative minds focused on one goal, your business success. All right, so before we get to the words of the head coach of the Commanders, Ron Rivera, at the NFL's annual league meeting in Palm Beach, Florida, I do want to address the owner of our Commanders, Dan Snyder, because there has been a lot of confusion with him in recent days, including a significant report that came out on Wednesday afternoon, Commander's Insider Matthew Paris of The Washington Times on Wednesday afternoon reported that Dan Snyder has, quote, resumed his involvement in day-to-day operations of the franchise. A high-play source with knowledge of the situation said Wednesday, refuting NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell's remarks from a day earlier. The source, who asked not to be named so he could speak on private matters freely, said Dan Snyder has no restrictions on what he can and can't do in overseeing the franchise, reiterating the owner has worked on day-to-day matters. For instance, Snyder was heavily involved when the team discussed acquiring quarterback Carson Wentz, something coach Rodden Rivera even alluded to after the trade was finalized. End quote. So let's take a step back, (laughs) shall we? Uh, It was last July 1st that we finally got the outcome of the Beth Wilkinson investigation, an investigation that had been publicly launched in a statement that was put out by Dan Snyder on July 17th, 2020. Uh, So the outcome of the Beth Wilkinson investigation was twofold a ramification announced by the NFL was Washington paying $10 million, which was to be, quote, used to support organizations committed to character education, anti-bullying, healthy relationships, and related topics, end quote. And a ramification announced by both the NFL in a statement and by Dan Snyder in a separate statement was that Tanya Snyder, who amazingly and also coincidentally, had been named co-CEO of the team just two days earlier, who'd have thunk it, Uh, was assuming responsibilities of CEO and overseeing all day-to-day team operations and representation of the club on all league activities, and that Dan, as he said in his statement, would be concentrating his time, quote, during the next several months on developing a new stadium plan and other matters, end quote. Now, that kind of, sort of sounded like Dan Snyder had been suspended, right? Tanya Snyder is assuming responsibilities of CEO and overseeing all day-to-day team operations and representation of the club on all league activities. And Dan, as he said in his statement, was to be concentrating his time, quote, during the next several months on developing a new stadium plan and other matters. End quote. Well, whether Dan was actually suspended by the NFL became a big point of contention. Dan's public relations team actually contacted various media members to tell them that he had not been suspended and was voluntarily stepping away. So, what exactly Dan stepping away was, was never made clear. You know, was this an unofficial suspension? Uh, Was this him just saying, hey, uh, let me step away here for PR purposes with step away in quotation marks, i.e., he wasn't really actually stepping away? We don't know. Uh, Also, unclear was how long Tanya Snyder would serve as CEO and oversee all day to day team operations and representation of the club. On All league activities. I mean, Dan attended Washington home games during the 2021 season. Uh, Ron Rivera last September told Kevin Sheehan on his radio show on the team 980 that Ron spoke with Dan at the team's headquarters. Uh, Dan was very present and involved in the team's reveal of the name Commanders this past February second. Uh, what was, in case you don't know, two dot two dot two two. So Dan, for a guy who had stepped away, uh, sure had a funny way of showing that he had. Stepped away. But to be honest with you, I had not thought that much about all of this because Dan, in his statement last July 1st, had said that he would be concentrating his time, quote, during the next several months on developing a new stadium plan and other matters, end quote. So right there, we had that phrase of during the next several months. I mean, when I hear several months, I think, okay, handful of months, you know, uh, three months, four months, something like that. Well, we at this point are well beyond three or four months from July of last year. Well, things got even more confusing uh, on Tuesday with what NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell said at his press conference at the NFL's annual league meeting. Take a listen.
2: Dan Snyder has not been involved in day-to-day operations.
3: I don't believe he's been at the facility at all. Um, And Uh, We continue to have league matters. Tanya has represented the team as the CEO, uh, both on a day-to-day basis, but also here at the league. She represented the club here, and that will continue for at least the foreseeable future. Dan and I will talk about that at some point.
1: All right. So said Roger Goodell on Tuesday, quote, Dan Snyder has not been involved in day-to-day operations. I don't believe he's been at the facility at all. Tanya's represented the team as the CEO, both on a day-to-day basis and also here at the league. And that will continue at least for the foreseeable future. Dan and I will talk about that at some point. End quote. Uh, So Roger literally said, Dan Snyder has not been involved in day-to-day operations. I don't believe he's been at the facility at all. Okay, well, Rod Rivera uh, this past September said that he had spoken with Dan at the team facility. So there you go. It would appear that Dan has been at the team facility. Now, Roger on Tuesday did say that he didn't believe that Dan had been at the team facility. So I guess there is some wiggle room there of uh, Roger maybe wasn't lying, it's just that he was under uh the wrong impression. Uh it is worth noting this. Tanya Snyder, not Dan Snyder, represented the Commanders at the 2022 annual league meeting. It's also worth noting that you can be removed from the team's day-to-day operations and still attend games as Dan did this past season, maybe even still be involved in announcing the new name as Dan was this past February 2nd. So it's not necessarily the case here that there's a whole lot of chicanery going on. But this whole Dan is stepping away thing, especially considering that his wife was taking over his duties, uh, has always felt more symbolic than anything else. I mean, have any of you listening actually believed that Dan Snyder literally has had nothing to do with the team's day-to-day operations since last July? You know, like really, does anyone out there really think that Dan has had nothing to do with the team's day-to-day operations since last July, especially considering that his wife, was the one who took over day-to-day operations, at least uh, per those announcements last July. Uh, You know, you think about like Roger Goodell. Roger Goodell on Tuesday said that he believed that Dan had not been at the facility at all. Uh, Okay, well, there's very much reason to believe that Dan has been at the facility in recent months. And that, to me, captures this entire situation perfectly, right? The commissioner says one thing, the reality may well be another. There's also this. So Team Dan has been very sensitive to the idea that he was actually suspended. Well, Roger on Tuesday did say that the current arrangement, whatever it is, quote, will continue at least for the foreseeable future. Dan and I will talk about that at some point and quote, uh, I don't know about you, but that to me sounds like Dan is in the midst of a suspension or some kind of punishment, right? I mean, what is there to talk about with the commissioner of the NFL if Dan isn't in the midst of a suspension or some kind of punishment? So that remains unclear. There's also this Uh, the NFL, in a press release at the annual league meeting, listed Dan Snyder as being part of four ownership committees. Uh, Those committees are the Legalized Sports Betting Committee, the Business Ventures Committee, the International Committee, and the media committee. There's nothing like a good committee, but how about that? If Dan isn't really involved in commander's operations right now, (laughs) what is he doing on four different NFL committees? I mean, what are we talking about here? Now, I guess he could be part of the committees, but not actively serving on the committees right now. But then you throw on top of all of this what Commander's insider Matthew Paris of the Washington Times reported on Wednesday afternoon. Again, Paris reported that Dan Snyder has, quote, resumed his involvement in day to day operations of the franchise, a high place source with knowledge of the situation said, end quote. So that would indicate two things. A, at one point Dan had stopped running day to day operations of the franchise, and B, Dan is back running things, or at least overseeing things, without any restrictions. And note the Matthew Paris report does say, "quote The source, who asked not to be named so he could speak on private matters freely, said Dan Snyder has no restrictions on what he can and can't do in overseeing the franchise. Reiterating the owner has worked on day-to-day matters." End quote. So good luck trying to make sense. Of all of this, here's the bottom line. Dan Snyder still is the owner of the Commanders. And whatever momentum that there had been regarding him potentially being ousted uh, does seem to have calmed down. Remember, Pro Football Talk's Mike Florio on February 13th during NBC's pregame coverage for Super Bowl 56 said, quote, I'm told for the first time ever there is a sense among ownership that the time may have come for Daniel Snyder to move on. End quote. And that got everybody excited. But nothing of significance has come to further that since Florio said what he said. Remember my nickname for Mike Florio, Fake News Florio. Uh, You always have to be careful with things that Florio says and writes. Now, he's not always wrong, but he has been wrong enough to where you need to be careful. With what Florio puts out there. And you also need to be mindful that Florio hates Dan Snyder and I think hates the team in many ways. So I think there's a bias many times with what Florio puts out there regarding Dan Snyder and the team. Doesn't mean that Florio's always wrong, but you always have to keep that in the back of your mind with anything that comes from Florio regarding Dan and the team. So we have no idea exactly what Dan Snyder's status as active owner of the Commanders is. But in a lot of ways, it doesn't really matter what Dan's status as active owner of the Commanders is because he still is the owner of the team. And it may well be that he is the owner of the team for many, many years to come. You know, it may well be that him being owner of the team is not going to be changing Anytime soon. And you very much could argue that nothing else with the commanders truly matters until who the owner is changes. And so, with that in mind, how about what former Washington quarterback Alex Smith said on Wednesday? Uh, Alex was on the Rich Eisen show on Wednesday. Alex got asked about what advice he would have for Carson Wentz. Now that Wentz is the commander's starting quarterback, here was the beginning of Alex's answer.
3: Oh man, <laughs> uh, that it's tough. You know, I, I mean, uh, I think you got to try to eliminate the noise there. You know, there's a lot of noise. Um, there's a lot of distractions. That entire organization, um, everything surrounding it, um, and 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 yeah, obviously deservedly that it's it's been flawed the last twenty years there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on there, a lot of distraction, and it's it makes it difficult to kind of focus in on on the football
1: all right, so said Alex Smith of Washington quote "It's been flawed the last twenty years. There's a lot of stuff going on there, a lot of distraction." End quote. And of course, when Alex references the last 20 years, that is a clear shot at Dan Snyder, who bought the team in May 1999. Rich Eisen then asked Alex Smith about whether what was going on with Washington's front office, as Eisen put it, was a distraction for Alex during his time as Washington's quarterback. Here was Alex's answer.
3: How could it not? I mean, for me, like, yeah, I mean, all the stuff there uh, with, with you know, just the entire organization from ownership down, head coaching and, and GM, it's, still, it's, a, it's a lot of, you know, there's been historically a lot of drama there. And, you know, it's a big market, uh, you know, obviously the capital and, and a lot going on. And that organization is a really storied franchise. And, and uh, I just, yeah, there's a lot of turmoil and a lot of distractions. So So to say that, the stuff going on in the building doesn't infiltrate the locker room or out on the field. It would be crazy. That happens everywhere. I think that's what great organizations eliminate, um, and the bad ones have a hard time with that. All that all that noise creeps into the building, um, and it 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 yeah, it does. It does affect the product on the field. So I think the you know the great organizations and coaches have a have a knack to keep that out of the building to quiet the noise to, to decrease uh distractions and, and focus on football. But it it's that's easier said than done.
1: All right. Uh as Jim Carrey said in the movie Ace Ventura, pet detective, many years ago, all righty then. Uh there's a lot there from Alex Smith. Uh I do think that it's very important to remember that Alex's departure from Washington was ugly. Uh, The feel-good story that was the Alex Smith comeback had a not-so-feel-good ending when it came to Alex's departure from Washington. Uh, His relationship with Ron Rivera clearly was not good, and I've been told by someone who I trust that Alex had major problems with Ryan Vermillion, uh, that Alex did not trust Ryan Vermillion, right? Ryan Vermillion, the team's director of sports medicine and head athletic trainer, he has been on administrative leave since early October of the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Administration, and the Loudoun County Sheriff's Department this past October, first having conducted searches at Washington's practice facility and at Vermilion's residence. Uh, Alex, in the 2020 season, from what I've been told, did not want Vermilion knowing about or treating Alex's uh, mysterious right calf injury. Remember that right calf injury slash bone contusion slash whatever the heck that injury was. Uh, it was very confusing what exactly that injury was given what we were told during the 2020 season and then what came out after the 2020 season. But the reason that I believe that there was so much mystery and confusion with Alex's injury was Alex not trusting Ryan Vermillion. Alex trusted Dr. Robin West Uh, She had served as the lead physician and surgeon for Alex over his 17 surgeries on the right leg. Uh, West and Vermillion did not get along. So there was a lot going on behind the scenes during that 2020 season when it came to Alex Smith. So I do think that with Alex Smith, you very much have to consider the source. That said, few NFL players in recent NFL history have had higher approval ratings than the approval rating Of Alex Smith. Uh, He may be bitter about how his time with Washington ended, but a lot of people like Alex Smith and trust Alex Smith. And nobody would ever say that, like, Alex Smith is a bad guy or anything like that. And so, him giving the answer that he gave on a national show like Rich Eisen's on Wednesday uh, is another brick in the wall uh, of negativity with the commanders. Uh, Now, Alex's problems seem to have much more to do with Ron Rivera than with Dan Snyder. But Alex took a pretty clear shot at Dan in that answer. And ultimately, we all know uh, everything starts with Dan, right? He is the owner. And it doesn't look like that'll be changing anytime soon. All right. So let's play some catch up here. Uh, We on Tuesday morning at the NFL's annual league meeting in Palm Beach, Florida, had NFC head coaches doing press conferences. Uh, AFC head coaches did their press conferences on Monday morning. NFC head coaches did their press conferences on Tuesday morning. And among the head coaches in the NFC, of course, is our head coach, the head coach of the Commanders, Ron Rivera. Uh, Next segment, I'll discuss what Ron Rivera on Tuesday morning said about Carson Wentz, as well as what Indianapolis Colts owner and CEO Jim Irsay on Tuesday said about Wentz. And then the segment after next segment, I want to discuss some very interesting comments from Ron on Tuesday morning about Chase Young. But in this segment, I want to get into Ron on Tuesday morning on the state of things with the Commanders and on the state of him as Commanders head coach. So the 2022 season will be Ron Rivera's third season as head coach of the team now known as the Commanders. Uh, Ron officially is just the Commanders head coach, but he of course is much more than just the head coach, right? He is the head coach in a coach-centric approach. He is in charge of football operations. He is the godfather, the Don of Commander's football operations. He is, as I call him, Don Ron. Uh, Ron, over his first two seasons as Washington head coach, is just 14-19 and 19 in the regular season and 0-1 and in the playoffs. He himself has admitted that the 2022 season needs to be a step Forward season. Uh, In fact, Ron, this past January third, in a day after the game, Zoom press conference said, "quote It's time, I think, that we see this team start to take that big step forward." End quote. The hope, of course, is that the trade for Carson Wentz will help to make the Commanders' 2022 season a step forward season. But Wentz quarterbacking the Commanders to a step forward season is far from a guarantee. Uh, Now, Wentz, of course, is what the Commanders have ended up doing this offseason in terms of a veteran quarterback acquisition. Uh, This offseason set up to be maybe the biggest offseason in franchise history for a variety of reasons, including this all-out search for a franchise quarterback. Well, Carson Wentz uh, pretty clearly wasn't the Commander's first choice for a veteran quarterback acquisition, but he ended up being the choice. Uh, to what extent is that a function of others not wanting to play for the commanders? Now, personally, I think that this narrative that nobody wants to play for the commanders is overrated. And the narrative conveniently ignores a number of players who have chosen to come to and or stay with the team in recent years. Uh, the team just last offseason signed the top corner in free agency in William Jackson the third, and signed one of the top receivers in free agency in Curtis Samuel. Forget about how each guy did in his first season with Washington. The fact is, Washington landed each guy in free agency last offseason. Uh, the team over the last 12 months has extended slash re-signed a number of key players. Jonathan Allen, Logan Thomas, Chase Rulier, Charles Leno Jr., J.D. McKissick, Bobby McCain, So the idea that nobody wants to come or stay here is just wrong. I'm not saying that the Commanders are NFL nirvana, but what I am saying is the idea that nobody wants to come or stay here is wrong. Uh, That said, going off what has been reported this offseason, Aaron Rodgers didn't want to come to the Commanders. Uh, Russell Wilson, at the very least, preferred the Denver Broncos over the Commanders. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky may well have chosen the Pittsburgh Steelers or New York Giants over the Commanders. Heck, there are those who think that Carson Wentz would not have signed with the Commanders had the Colts released him. And so Ron Rivera on Tuesday morning was asked about his sense of how the Commanders are doing in terms of being a team to which players want to come.
2: Well, I think it's a lot better than than people are portraying it. I'll tell you that right now. Um, And again, you know, we consciously going into free agency, you know, try to make sure people understand that that, that why not come to, to, to us? You know, we have you know, a solid offensive line. We got a thousand yard rusher, thousand yard receiver, you know. So we just try to make sure people understand that there's an opportunity to to, to be successful um, and we'll see how it goes.
1: Okay, so I really like that answer from Ron Rivera. Uh, I liked the pushback that he provided in that answer to the idea that nobody wants to play for the commanders. That is a real overstatement. Nobody wants to come here. And I know that when people say that, they don't literally mean that nobody, like no singular person wants to come here. But again, if nobody wants to come here in a general sense, explain William Jackson the third and Curtis Samuel last offseason. Explain all of the players who the team has extended slash resigned over the last 12 months. Again, Jonathan Allen, Logan Thomas, Chase Rulier, Charles Leno Jr., J.D. McKissick, Bobby McCain. And again, I'm not saying that the commanders are the number one destination in the NFL, you know, but what I am saying is there are people who choose to come to the team. There are people who choose to stay with the team. And these are like significant people, okay? Maybe not elite players in the NFL, but these are among the better players in the NFL. I mean, Jonathan Allen is among the better interior defensive linemen in the NFL. He chose to sign a long term contract with the team. That says something to me. Uh, Now, Ron Rivera later on Tuesday morning was asked, uh, what can he point to this offseason as evidence that the team is more desirable than it is made out to be? Here was Ron's answer.
2: Well, how many of those guys did we did we did we go after? You know, what I'm saying. I mean, that, that's the thing. You know, it's 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 one thing to to, to have somebody give it and say, well, you know, he, he 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 there was no way he was going there. Do you really know that? Did you ask the guy? So let's let's stop assuming let's stop hearing stuff secondhand and throwing that out at us. I mean, we're an easy target. I get it. But quite honestly, I'm tired of it. I really am. But the only way to fix it is win. And that's the truth. I mean, that really is the truth. It's, it, you have to win. So that, that's, that's obviously our number one priority is, 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 is building a football team that wins. All right. So how about that from
1: Ron Rivera? How about that from the Don? Don Ron was in rare form on Tuesday morning. Quote, we're an easy target. I get it. But quite honestly, I'm tired of it. I really am. But the only way to fix that is win. And that's the truth. That really is the truth. You have to win. End quote. Uh, I like that from Ron. I really like that because he fired back at the critics. And by critics, I mean mainly people in the media. Uh, Ron on Tuesday morning was complimentary of Commander's fans. You'll hear that shortly. But Ron on Tuesday morning struck back at the critics, especially these over-the-top critics who say things like, nobody wants to play for the team. Uh, However, at the same time, Ron on Tuesday morning also acknowledged the ultimate truth. The team has to win. And of course, that is what all of this comes down to. I mean, at the end of the day, if you don't like all the criticism of your team, then win more and the criticism will subside. And Ron gets that. You know, the commanders are an easy target because the franchise has made itself an easy target with all of the team's problems. Winning is the ultimate antidote to the team being an easy target. Everybody knows that, including Ron. Uh, and the team hasn't won nearly enough over the last 30 years, including over Ron's two years, As the team's head coach, there's a balance that Ron needed to strike in addressing this issue, and I thought that he struck that balance of standing up for his team, but also saying, yeah, we need to win. Uh, Here was some more from Ron on Tuesday morning.
2: Why shouldn't I do the things that I do to try and promote who we are? Because I really do believe in us. I really do believe where we are. I believe in this fan base, you know, but we have to win. And that's the truth of the matter. We have to win. Yeah, the commanders
1: have to win. Simple as that, point-blank period. Uh, now, of course, part of why the commanders are such an easy target is all of their off-the-field problems slash controversies slash issues. And the list of those things goes a mile long, right? Uh, the workplace misconduct scandal, the ownership turmoil, the name change, the Sean Taylor number 21 retirement debacle, Crestgate uh, losing Anheuser-Busch as a sponsor. On and on, we can go, but we shall stop. Uh, Rod Rivera on Tuesday morning on trying to do well in running the commanders with all of the negativity surrounding the team.
2: Well, what I'm trying to make sure everybody is, is first of all, is this, can we get away from it doesn't involve the football aspect of it. You know what I'm saying? This is what where we are today as a football team. This is what we're trying to do as a football team. And I get it. People want to continue to pull you back into this. And we're trying to get away from it. And that's what I'm trying to stress. And the truth is, it's about winning. And if, if you believe, you know, you can come in and help us win, you'll take us far away from that. I mean, we have a chance for basically a rebirth. We have a, a new name. You know, we've got different players that we're trying to bring in and have them be part of what we're doing. Um, and if we can get away from it. You know, if we can stop having that every time be the focal point of football. I get it. Let's just, you know, this this is over here, but this is our focus. I respect what happened over here. I understand how serious it is. But at the end of the day, you know, my job is about football. And, you know, we're trying to create a sustainable winning culture. I know we use the word culture a lot, but we're serious about it. You know, the things that Jason and I have have tried to do for us, I think is is important. And we got to continue to do that. And at the same time, though, we have to win. I mean, that's the truth of it.
1: You know, there were some people who were mad at Rod Rivera for what he said on Tuesday morning, that he should have been more understanding, more accepting of the negativity surrounding the team. Uh, Ron, in that cut that I just played for you, I thought was understanding of the negativity. He just doesn't love the negativity and he wants to get away from the negativity. And feeling that way to me is okay. Uh, There's nothing wrong with Ron standing up for his football team. He's not defending sexual harassment. He's not trying to justify sexual harassment and whatever else has happened in the past. He's saying the commanders as a football team need to win in order for the negativity to stop or at least calm down significantly. Uh, We also had this from Ron Rivera on Tuesday morning on the state of things with the commanders and with him as the team's head coach. This was Ron on what he learned from his experience as Carolina Panthers head coach that is helping him now.
2: I think the biggest thing, you know, is that, is that it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. You know, what happened in, 20, in, in 2020 was a little, because the, the, the division was down. We won the division, I get it. But then last season, I think, really was a little indication of, of that we're not where we needed to be or where we wanted to be. Um, and as we started to play and you saw some positive things, you could, you saw the growth. So it really was a reflection for me. What happened my first two years in Carolina to me, this third year is, is big. And I've said that, um, you know, and I believe it's an opportunity for us to take a step.
1: All right. So Ron Rivera saying it takes time. Uh, he's not wrong, but the truth is Ron has had enough time to have the commanders on the right track and to be showing tangible results, you know, winning results. And he did acknowledge that in that cut. Ron said it himself nearly three months ago now. It's time, I think, that we see this team start to take that big step forward. Uh, He reiterated that sentiment on Tuesday morning. Uh, There's no doubt this coming season, the 2022 season, is a big season for Ron Rivera as Commanders head coach. I don't know that we can definitely say that it is a make or break season, i.e. if things don't go well, Ron will be fired. But I tell you what, this coming season could be a make or break season for Ron as Commanders head coach and even if his job as Commanders head coach isn't on the line, this coming season uh certainly the perception of how he's doing as Commanders head coach is very much on the line. Up next, much more from Ron Rivera at the NFL's annual league meeting. You'll hear what Ron had to say about Carson Wentz. I'll give you my thoughts on what Ron had to say about Wentz. And I'll address Wentz getting ripped, really getting torn apart by Indianapolis Colts owner and CEO Jim Irsay. All right, we move now to what Ron Rivera had to say at his press conference on Tuesday morning at the NFL's annual league meeting in Palm Beach, Florida, on the commander's new quarterback, on the commander's new QB1, as even Ron has called him, Carson Wentz. So there is a very clear theme that has emerged with the commander's trade with the Indianapolis Colts for Wentz, and that theme has to do with the Colts owner and CEO Jim Ursay. And so before we get to what Ron on Tuesday said about Wentz, uh, we need to hit on what Ursay on Tuesday said about Wentz. Uh, to me, everything that continues to come from Colts management and people who know/slash cover the Colts indicates that them trading Carson Wentz was owner-driven. If not owner dictated, uh, just take what has been said by some of the guests on this podcast. Uh, Bob Kravitz, senior writer, For the Athletic, longtime Indianapolis sports columnist, Uh, he joined me on episode 269. Uh, Colts insider Mike Chappell of Fox 59 CBS 4 Sports in Indianapolis, he joined me on episode 277. Each guy has covered the Colts and written and talked about the Colts for decades. Uh, Each guy on this podcast made it quite clear that the Colts trading Carson Wentz was owner-fueled, was owner-driven. Uh, now, that the trade was owner driven doesn't mean that the concerns with Wentz aren't valid. Uh, you know, that the trade was owner driven doesn't mean that all of the red flags with Wentz that we've talked about so much don't matter. Uh, the red flags do matter, they matter a lot. But that the trade was owner driven does provide key context to the circumstances under which this trade took place. I mean, maybe the biggest question that we as Commanders fans have all had is, why did the Colts trade Wentz just one year after acquiring Wentz via trade from the Philadelphia Eagles? Well, if the primary reason that the Colts traded Wentz just one year after trading for him is that the owner soured on Wentz, as opposed to everyone else in Colts management having soured on Wentz, uh, that's a big deal for us as Commanders fans in terms of what to think about this trade. It's still not crystal clear where the Colts head coach, Frank Reich, and the Colts general manager Chris Ballard stood on trading Wentz. Uh, were Reich and Ballard totally on board? Maybe. Uh, but did Reich and Ballard perhaps want to run it back with Wentz, but ultimately had to comply with the order of the boss, Jim Ursay? Uh, well, that's a maybe as well. We know that Ursay was mad at Wentz for not getting vaccinated for COVID-19, and we also now know that Ursay pretty clearly has something personal against Wentz. Did you see what Ursae said on Tuesday? Uh, Jim Ursay on Tuesday sounded off on Carson Wentz. Ursay said the following about why the Colts traded Wentz. Quote, I think the worst thing you can do is have a mistake and try to keep living with it going forward." It's just for us. It was just, it was something that we had to move away from as a franchise. It was very obvious. End quote. So, Ursay called Carson Wentz a mistake. Also, Ursay very much blamed Wentz for the Colts' season ending loss this past season. Uh, as you probably know by now, the Colts choked like dogs in week 18 of the 2021 regular season, a 26-11 loss at the lowly Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, The loss cost the Colts a playoff spot, and there's no doubt Carson Wentz choked in that game. Wentz's total QBR per ESPN for the game was just 4.3, which is atrocious. But said Ursay on Tuesday, quote, no disrespect to Jacksonville, but I mean, they're the worst team in the league. You play well and hard for the first quarter or so, and they're looking to go to their locker room and clean it out. I've never seen anything like that in my life. You say, my God, there's something wrong here. It needs to be corrected. I think that we feel like we did. Your guy's got to pick you up and carry you through Jacksonville. He has to do it. Not an option. Has to. No excuses. No explanations. You search for the right chemistry with any team. In football, it's as important as any sport that there is. If that chemistry is off, if it isn't there, it can be extremely detrimental and lower performance to a degree that is stunning and shocking. End quote. So, wow, really damning quotes there from Jim Ursay. On Carson Wentz. Now, you can take all of that from Ursay as, good God, what is wrong with Carson Wentz to where Ursay feels this way about Wentz? Uh, but you could also take those quotes from Ursay as, geez, Ursay really has come to despise Wentz. Uh, this seems personal. This seems almost mean. You know, this seems almost nasty. This is not the way that Frank Reich has talked about Wentz? Uh, Could it be that this trade is more about how Ursay feels about Wentz than how others with the Colts feel about Wentz? And we don't know the definitive answer to that question. Uh, We may never know with complete certainty why exactly the Colts soured on Wentz. But the truth about that why matters a lot for us as Commanders fans. Uh, Here was Ron Rivera on Tuesday morning on how far back he went in vetting Carson Wentz.
2: Well, you know, we, we, we vetted a lot of players. Carson was one of those guys. Um, one of the things that I do point to is at one point they were 11-2 and two until he got hurt. And just knowing what he's capable of, what his potential is, uh, feeling that he's been very close to that potential again, uh, we'd like to believe we have an opportunity to, to, to help that young man get to where he, he, he truly could be. So we're pretty excited about, about him. Um, we broke down a lot of his tape. In fact, when we uh, found out he was available, one of the things that we did was we got together again um, in the at Indy in our suite that we were using, and we had our video guy bring tape, and we studied that game tape, and, and, and we talked about what we were seeing on tape. I mean, we, we dove into this once we knew there was an opportunity.
1: All right, so all of that from Ron Rivera sounds good and nice. And it does more and more sound like the NFL scouting combine, which interestingly takes place in, right, Indianapolis, uh, is where the commanders became serious about trading for Carson Wentz. But did you notice that 11-2 and 2 comment from Ron? Uh, Ron said, quote, at one point, they were 11-2 and 2 until he got hurt. End quote. Uh so the they in that statement is the Eagles. Uh they were eleven and two in the twenty seventeen regular season, and then Wentz was done for the rest of the season due to a torn left ACL. Uh but A, the Eagles, of course, went on to win the Super Bowl for that season with Nick Foles as their quarterback. So it's not like Wentz was irreplaceable, and B. 2017 was five years ago now, and I've brought this up before. But people need to stop bringing up Carson Wentz's 2017 season as a reason for optimism with him for the 2022 season. 2017 at this point is ancient history in terms of NFL history. Okay, five years is a long time in the NFL, and specific to Wentz. Uh, 2017, that was five years ago. That was many injuries ago. That was multiple teams ago. All right. Like if you want to talk about reasons for optimism with Wentz as commander's quarterback, bring up his 2019 season, bring up his 2021 season. Stop bringing up the 2017 season. It concerns me that Ron Rivera points to Wentz's 2017 season as a reason for making this trade. That's not the reason to trade for Carson Wentz. What he did five years, many injuries, and multiple teams ago. Okay, uh, here was Ron Rivera on Tuesday morning on Carson Wentz's mindset since the trade.
2: It's been very good. Um, you know, obviously he was he was a little shell shocked initially, um, but it's been great. It really has. Um, what I've truly appreciated is what his, uh, his former teammates have said, guys that he was in the locker room with, guys that he was on the football field with. Uh, I really appreciate you know, them being um, forthright in terms of his impact on, on, on them and the team. So um, when, when, you, when you hear that, you feel pretty good about the decision you made.
1: All right, so there was Ron Rivera pushing back on the narrative that Carson Wentz is lacking In leadership. Uh, That certainly was a narrative that was pushed by Jim Irsay on Tuesday. Uh, Wentz's head coach with the Eagles, Doug Peterson, of course, uh, now the head coach of, uh, ironically enough, the Jacksonville Jaguars. uh, He, at his press conference on Monday morning, brought up Wentz being a quality leader. Uh, Peterson actually brought that up a lot. Uh, There very much are mixed messages here in terms of what exactly is Carson Wentz as a guy? Uh, Here was Ron Rivera on Tuesday morning on what he has learned about Carson Wentz since acquiring him that Ron did not know previously.
2: Is that he is a, um, he's a heck of a young man. I mean, I've I've known him, I know who he is, but uh, in in, in, in getting an opportunity to spend time with him, spend time with his his family, talk with he and his wife, have dinner with he and his wife, and listen, um, I, I like who he is, I really do. Um one thing I really appreciate is how resilient he is. I, you know, watching him do the press conference, I loved how he referred to we um and then I loved how he referred to and took responsibility for his stuff, for the decisions he's made for the things that he's done. Um I appreciate that as a a coach, listening to a guy that's, you know, more concerned about the team being and us being and we. But, hey, that's my fault. That's my responsibility. I got to get that corrected. I appreciated that.
1: So I got a kick out of Rod Rivera on Tuesday morning, bringing up the I, we stuff from Carson Wentz's introductory press conference with the commander's on March 17th. I actually brought up that exact same thing on the show that I did for the day after the presser. Uh, that show was episode 274. Wentz at his introductory press conference, I thought he did a really good job in his answers to questions about his many red flags. He referred to having played bad in each of the Colts' final two games in the 2021 regular season by saying, quote, the way we finished, the way I finished was poor, was poor, End quote. And that's how a quarterback should address poor performance. And it was interesting to me that Wentz actually corrected himself with the pronoun. Again, quote, the way we finished, the way I finished. End quote. It may sound like a small thing, but the pronoun that a quarterback uses when talking about a loss or talking about poor performance is a big deal in football. Uh, a quarterback should use we. When his team wins and I, when his team loses. A quarterback should use we when things go well and I when things do not go well. Again, I know that can sound kind of silly, but it's not. In football circles, that matters. And Wentz made it a point to say I instead of we at the introductory press conference with the commanders on March 17th. Uh, This was Ron Rivera on Tuesday morning on What Now for the Commanders? uh, Now that they have their starting quarterback. In Carson Wentz.
2: Well, for us, and again, you guys have heard me say this when I first got here. We've got to make sure we can protect our quarterback. We've got to make sure we have playmakers around him. You know, we've got to continue to, to look at, at at what our options are, not just in free agency, but getting ready for the draft. You know, what what impact position player can we find um, in, through the draft? So we're going to spend a lot more time finishing up with uh, with our evaluations. You know, we've got the 30 visits coming in pretty soon. Um, that'll be a very important time because again, we won't be on Zoom, we'll be in person. And and that's something that's gonna be very- very important.
1: All right. Now, some people took that answer from Ron Rivera on Tuesday morning to mean that the Commanders will not be taking a quarterback with the number 11 pick in the 2022 NFL draft and are looking to add a non-quarterback offensive player with that pick. And maybe that's the case. Uh, I will continue to say that the Commanders trading for Wentz should not preclude them from taking a quarterback in the first round of the 2022 draft if they like a quarterback in the first round of the draft. Uh, The position of quarterback is too important, and there are too many questions with Wentz for the commanders to not take a quarterback who they like in the first round of the 2022 draft just because they have made this trade for Wentz. I also would say that generally speaking, when it comes to the NFL draft, you should always go best player available. And so to get stuck on, well, we have to take a receiver at number 11, or we have to take uh, a tight end at number 11. No, you don't. Uh, That's a dangerous way to do an NFL draft. You take the best player available and you factor in positional value and you worry about your needs uh, in another manner. All right. Now, if you're like a Super Bowl contender and you're like literally one player away from getting over the top, then maybe you draft for need. But a team like the commanders that is not a Super Bowl contender, you don't say, well, we have to go receiver at number 11. And I am not a fan at all of this talk that's out there of the commanders have got to take a receiver at number 11. No, they don't. All right. That's how you do the draft poorly, when you get dead set on taking someone at a particular position uh with a particular pick. But to this idea that the commanders need to surround Carson Wentz with a bunch of quality offensive weapons, that you know the commanders need to set up Wentz to have success. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm all for that, but that should always be the case with whoever your quarterback is. Like, I, I don't understand this take that's out there that the commanders need to surround Wentz with a bunch of quality offensive weapons. You should always be trying to surround your quarterback with a bunch of quality offensive weapons. This isn't exclusive to Carson Wentz. Every team, every season, should try to surround the team's starting quarterback with quality offensive weapons. Whether the commander's starting quarterback for the 2022 season is Wentz or Taylor Heineke or Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett or whoever, of course you want to surround the guy with a bunch of quality offensive weapons. Uh, One more for you from Ron Rivera on Tuesday morning on Carson Wentz. Ron on the process that the commanders will go through in making sure that Wentz thrives in their offense.
2: Well, what we've done is, you know, we've looked at Carson. We looked at the things that he does very, very well. And we've tried to say, okay, these are the things that he does well. These things are in what we do. Okay, these are some things that we do. They don't match him. we got to find out if he can do them, and if he can't, that's got to go. That's one thing is we're not going to force a guy to do something that that, that he can't do. Um, we want to find out if he can or can't, and we most certainly will try. Um, one thing we also have to do is we have to sit down with him and talk, talk to him and find out what he's comfortable with, which they've already done. So it's, it's not about just, hey, this is our offense, this is the way we do it. Uh, No, we've got to find out what fits a player. We do the same thing on defense. You you don't want to put people in positions that they're not going to have success.
1: Yeah, there's no question that Ron Rivera and Scott Turner need to adapt the commander's offense to Carson Wentz as opposed to making him adapt to their offense. Uh, When you have a scheme, you certainly should have general principles by which you abide But you also, within your scheme, have to have flexibility, and you, as a coach, have to be willing to modify your scheme to fit the talent that you have. Keep in mind, uh, Scott Turner reportedly has been extended, and this, to me, has gotten lost in everything else going on with the commanders, but we, on March 13th, had multiple reports that the commanders were signing offensive coordinator Scott Turner to a contract extension, And through the 2024 season, uh, it's hard for me to ignore the timing of this. The Commanders agreed on the trade for Carson Wentz on March 9th. We then learned that the Commanders were extending Scott Turner on March 13th, just a few days after the team agreed on the trade for Carson Wentz. One of the big knocks on Wentz that has come up is that he isn't receptive enough to coaching. Well, this contract extension for Turner takes him through 2024. Ron Rivera, it is believed, signed a five year contract when the team hired him as its head coach in January 2020. So Ron is under contract through 2024. Ron and Scott now are in alignment contractually. Each guy runs through 2024 in terms of his deal. So it has been made clear to uh, Commander Carson who his commanders are. Uh, Something to be thinking about here that Scott Turner rather quietly got extended just a few days after the commanders agreed on the trade for Carson Wentz. Well, speaking of acting in accordance with commands, uh, is Chase Young going to be doing that for Rod Rivera? We get to that right now. All right, so it was toward the end of Ron Rivera's press conference on Tuesday morning at the NFL's annual league meeting in Palm Beach, Florida, that we got maybe the most newsworthy item from Ron. Uh, That item is that Chase Young is expected to attend the Commander's OTA practices this offseason, if not the entirety of the Commander's OTA program. Uh, Ron on Tuesday morning said that the Commander's offseason program will begin on April 18th. We don't know exactly when Commander's OTA practices will begin, uh, but OTA practices usually happen in May and early June. And if it's true that Chase is going to be attending Commander's OTA practices this offseason, that is significant. Now, he may not be able to do much at these practices given that he's coming off a torn right ACL that he suffered this past November 14th. But there certainly would be a symbolism in Chase attending Commander's OTA practices this offseason. And that symbolism would be at least somewhat meaningful. So let me make something clear before we go any further. Chase Young not attending any of Washington's OTA practices last offseason is not why Chase had a disappointing second NFL season. OTA practices are non-padded, non-tackling practices. Each team only has a few batches of OTA practices each offseason. And remember, OTA practices are technically uh, voluntary. Uh, Plenty of high-level players have skipped OTA practices over the years and done just fine. However, Chase not attending any of Washington's OTA practices last offseason proved to be a sign of a disconnect between him and Ron Rivera. And when I say disconnect, I don't mean that the two hate each other, but I do mean that the two haven't been on the same page. That's obvious now. Hopefully, they now are on the same page. So Chase Young suffered his season-ending torn right ACL in the 29-19 win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at FedEx Field in Week 10 of this past season. Uh, Washington put Chase on the reserve injured list this past November 16th. What was wild about Chase suffering the season-ending torn right ACL in that win over the Bucs at FedEx Field in Week 10 is that the game took place off Ron Rivera, having been very open publicly about Chase's struggles in the 2021 regular season, and then Chase conducting a press conference that raised more than a few eyebrows. So the win over the Bucks happened on November 14th. Consider what had happened over the previous 10 days. Uh, Ron Rivera, in a piece that came out last November 4th by Michael Silver on the team's official website, said regarding Chase Young and Montez Sweat, quote, we would like to see a little bit more from those guys. They need to stop pressing and trust their teammates, end quote. Uh, Now, Ron Rivera and Michael Silver are pals. They went to Cal together. Uh, Their relationship per Michael was why Michael in July 2021 took a job working for the then Washington football team. Uh, It's not an accident that Ron put out a very clear message to his two most high-profile defensive players in an article written by Ron's longtime buddy and for the team's official website. So that came out on November 4th. Then Ron Rivera in a post-practice press conference on November 8th spent the bulk of the near 17-minute presser answering questions about Chase Young and being very upfront and specific about Chase's struggles and what he could do better. Now, Ron didn't trash Chase or anything like that, but Ron addressed Chase's struggles in a manner in which most coaches do not address Player struggles. And Ron, in these comments, made it pretty clear that Chase, as we had expected, had been among those Washington players who, in the 2021 regular season, had not always adhered to what they were supposed to be doing. Remember, Ron last season made these vague, cryptic comments about guys not playing the defensive scheme the way that it was supposed to be played. We all kind of surmised that Chase Young was one of those guys. Ron, in this presser on November 8th, essentially confirmed that Chase had been one of those guys. Then Chase Young, in a post-practice press conference on November 11th, addressed his lack of production in the 2021 regular season by saying, quote, I ain't under pressure. I just be myself. Be me. At the end of the day, everybody who talked to you, they just haters. They just hatin'. It is what it is. You got to block out the haters. End quote. Uh, also in that presser was Chase, uh, when asked about having skipped OTA practices in the 2021 offseason to shoot various commercials and also an episode of Family Feud saying, quote, I was making money, baby. Gotta make that money. None of y'all would have ducked the money. At the end of the day, it's a job. You feel me? Just like y'all do your job, I do my job. End quote. Uh, so yeah, we had all of that just last November <laughs> between Ron Rivera and Chase Young. And, And then came what happened in January. Don't forget about this stuff. Uh, Ron Rivera, at his day after the game Zoom press conference this past January 3rd, said, quote, One thing that we have to understand is just how important the offseason is for us. Hopefully, the COVID situation will be in control. Hopefully, it won't be a battle to get guys to be here. End quote. Uh, then Chase Young at his season ending Zoom press conference on January 10th was very non committal about potentially attending Washington OTA practices in the 2022 offseason. So it was looking like we were headed for a showdown between Ron and Chase regarding Chase attending OTA practices this offseason. Even though, again, he may not be able to do much at these practices given. That he's coming off the torn right ACL. And so all of this brings us to Tuesday morning, very late in a near 30 minute press conference that Ron Rivera, Don Ron did at the NFL's annual league meeting. This was Ron Rivera on Tuesday morning on what he believes the 2021 season did
2: for Chase Young. I think for Chase, it it was um, a little bit of an awakening, a little bit of a realization. Um, One thing I really appreciate is how focused he is right now. He really is truly attacking his offseason, his his rehab program. Um, And I think that's been good. Uh, For us, I think hopefully the realization that we hadn't arrived has set in and that just showing up is not good enough.
1: Wow. So how about that? Uh, Said Ron Rivera of Chase Young's 2021 season, quote, I think for Chase, it was a little bit of an awakening, a little bit of a realization. For us, I think hopefully the realization that we hadn't arrived has set in and that just showing up is not good enough, end quote. So you have Ron calling Chase's 2021 season an awakening. But you also have Ron sending a pretty stern message at the end of that cut, right? Uh, Now, Ron made sure to say us instead of directly speaking uh, on Chase, but said Ron, quote, for us, I think hopefully the realization that we hadn't arrived has set in and that just showing up is not good enough, end quote. Uh, I think that those comments from Ron say a lot. Uh, Ron does not like how Chase approached his 2021 season. Ron certainly did not like the results of Chase's 2021 season, and Ron now wants Chase to have learned from his 2021 season. Here was Ron Rivera on Tuesday morning on if Chase Young will be attending OTA practices this
2: offseason. Well, with, without saying it and getting in trouble for making it sound like that, but yes, you know, um, in, in my conversations with him, he, he, he says he's going to be here, and I'm pretty excited to see him here.
1: All right, so there you go. At least according to Ron Rivera, Chase Young is expected to attend Commander's OTA practices this offseason. Uh, Chase apparently will show his face at OTA practices this offseason. You know, it's important to understand this. There are OTAs and then there are OTA practices. Uh, OTA stands for organized team activity. Uh, There are various phases to an NFL team's OTA program. Chase Young did attend Washington's mandatory minicamp last year. Uh, The mandatory minicamp for last year went from June 8th through the 10th. Young, in a post minicamp practice Zoom press conference on June 8th, said that he had been in attendance for various parts of phases one and two of Washington's offseason program, but had skipped phase three, which featured the OTA practices, as he had, quote, five different shoots for five different things. End quote. Uh, It's also, though, important to understand this. Washington, in the 2021 offseason, only had two weeks of OTA practices. That's it. Uh, May 25th through the 27th and June 1st through the 3rd. So wanting Chase Young to attend these practices, even though they were voluntary, wasn't some monumental ask, okay? Especially considering that, remember, Chase was a team captain. Chase ended his 2020 rookie season as a team captain. And Chase, of course, was outstanding in his 2020 rookie season. He won Associated Press Defensive Rookie of the Year for the 2020 season, and he deserved the award. His traditional stats for the 2020 regular season were good, but his advanced stats for the 2020 regular season were excellent. Uh, Chase, for the 2020 regular season, was number seven among all qualified edge defenders in the NFL in ESPN's pass rush, Win rate metric, but Chase's 2021 regular season was very underwhelming. Uh, Chase Young in the 2021 regular season played in just nine games and finished with the following numbers just one and a half sacks, just four quarterback hits, just three tackles for loss, an overall grade for Pro Football Focus of 75.1. You know, that's not an awful PFF grade, but that's certainly not a great PFF grade. Chase is supposed to be great. Washington took him with the number two pick in the 2020 NFL draft to be great. And hopefully this recovery from the torn right ACL is going well. And hopefully he will be great for the commanders. Chase Young is too talented not to be great. Uh, But he and Ron Rivera need to be on the same page. Uh, I really hope that they are. Well, the Wizards have just six games left in the 2021-2022 NBA regular season. Uh, the Wizards are hanging by a string when it comes to contending for the play-in tournament, but the Wizards are technically still in play-in tournament contention. Uh, the Wizards are six games behind the Atlanta Hawks for 10th in the Eastern Conference. Six games back with six games to go. Uh, that, my friends, is what we call hanging by a string. Uh, Tuesday night, the Wizards lost to the Chicago Bulls at Capital One Arena 107-94. The Wizards in the third quarter led by three points at 56-53, but the Wizards then allowed the Bulls to go on a 48-30 run for a 15-point fourth quarter deficit at 101-86. The Bulls are a very good team this season. Uh, Then on Wednesday night, the Wizards won. Uh, They beat the Orlando Magic at Capital One Arena, 127-110. The Wizards in this game overcame a 12-point second quarter deficit, actually led by 19 points in a fourth quarter in which the Wizards never trailed. The Wizards trailed in the second quarter, 47-35, then went on a 92-61 run for a 127-108 lead in the final minute of the fourth quarter. Now, understand, the magic is terrible this season. The magic with this loss at the Wizards on Wednesday night fell to an NBA-worst tying 20-57 and this season. But the Wizards did win. However, also on Wednesday night was the Hawks winning at the Oklahoma City Thunder, 136-118. Uh, so yeah, the Wizards at 33-43. and Trail the Hawks by six games, and the Wizards have just six regular season games left. Remember, teams 7 through 10 in each conference make the play-in tournament. The Wizards trail the Hawks by six games for 10th in the East. Uh, I have said that I don't want the Wizards making the play-in tournament. Making the play-in tournament this season would do nothing significantly good for the Wizards and would damage uh, their chance of getting as high of a first-round pick in the 2022 NBA draft as is realistically possible. Well, we are on the doorstep of the play-in tournament being completely eliminated as a possibility for the Wizards, and that to me is a good thing. Uh, Now, some thoughts on these two recent games for the Wizards. So still no Kyle Kuzma. Uh, I'm not sure if he's going to play again this season. I'm not really sure what the point would be of him playing again this season. Uh, Kuzma now has not played in each of the Wizards' last seven games due to right knee tendinitis. Uh, this, of course, as Bradley Beal remains out for the rest of the regular season due to a torn ligament in his left wrist on which he underwent surgery on February 10th. Uh, in terms of the Wizards defense here lately, the Wizards defense and their loss to the Bulls at Capital One Arena on Tuesday night was mixed. Uh, the Wizards did hold the Bulls to just 6 of 18 on threes, but the Wizards allowed the Bulls to go 30 of 46 in the paint and to score 60 points in the paint. The Wizards paint defense has been a problem this season. Uh, the Wizards got torched by DeMar DeRozan in the second half on Tuesday night. Wiz allowed DeRozan in the second half to go 10 of 15 from the field, all twos, and score 23 points. But the Wizards' defense in their win over the Magic at Capital One Arena on Wednesday night was good. Uh, The Wizards held the Magic to just 11 of 33 on threes, held the Magic to just 29 of 63 on twos. And also good for the Wizards on Wednesday night was their offense. Now again, the Magic is awful this season, but the Wizards on Wednesday night... 13 of 36 on threes, 34 of 56 on twos, 20 of 26 on free throws, and the Wizards finished with 35 assists versus 12 turnovers. Uh, Kristaps Porzingis on Wednesday night was a monster. I tell you, the zinger, for the most part, has been quite good here for the Wizards since they got him on NBA trade deadline day on February 10th. Porzingis on Wednesday night in just 28 minutes, 56 seconds as a starter scored 35 points. That's not easy to do. 35 points in less than 29 minutes of playing time. He went 3 of 6 on threes, 8 of 12 on twos, 10 of 13 on free throws. Also finished with 8 rebounds, including 3 offensive boards, 3 assists versus 2 turnovers, and 2 blocks. Kentavious Caldwell-Pope was good on Wednesday night. 5 of 9 on threes, 5 of 8 on twos. He finished with 25 points, 3 assists, versus one turnover, two steals, and a game-best plus-minus rating of plus 24 in 32-52 as a starter. Also, Wizards head coach Wes Unsell Jr. continues to start Thomas Sadoransky at point guard over Ole Neto. Uh, Sadoransky now has started over Neto in each of the Wizards' last four games, and Sadoransky, he has not been scoring, but man, Has he been racking up the assists? So Saturansky in the loss to the Bulls at Capital One Arena on Tuesday night in 25-27 as a starter, scored just three points, but had 10 assists versus no turnovers and three rebounds. And then Saturansky in the win over the Magic at Capital One Arena on Wednesday night in 26-58 as a starter, scored no points, but had 13 assists versus two turnovers and 10 rebounds. So Sadoransky, over the last two games, has totaled just three points, but also has totaled
4: 23
1: assists versus two turnovers. Not bad. And he had 10 rebounds on Wednesday night. Uh, and when it comes to old Neto, uh, he barely plays now. Uh, he is in the Wes Unsell Jr. doghouse at this point. Uh, Neto, on Tuesday night, played for just 46 seconds off the bench of having been a DNP CD. In each of the Wizards' previous two games, he on Wednesday night played for just one minute 26 seconds off the bench. Uh, speaking of the Wizards' bench, good production on Wednesday night. Uh, Daniel Gafford in 1904 off the bench, six to seven from the field all twos. He finished with 17 points, seven rebounds, including three. Offensive boards in three blocks. Uh, we continue to basically not see Thomas Bryan at all. Bryan on Wednesday night, a DNP CD for an 11th time in 14 games. Uh, Ish Smith on Wednesday night, twenty one oh two off the bench, seven assists versus one turnover. Uh, he went one of three on threes, two of three on twos, scored seven points. But another game for Ish in which he has a bunch of assists and not many turnovers. Ish Smith now over 22 games. Since being reacquired by the Wizards on NBA trade deadline day on February 10th, 106 assists versus 32 turnovers. Uh, Ish has done exactly what he was brought back here to do. Uh, Denny Avdia on Wednesday night, 25-58 off the bench. Did go just 1-6 on threes, but he went 2-4 on twos, finished with 8 points, 8 rebounds, and 5 assists. Versus two turnovers. Avdia has been good here over these last few weeks. He was really good in the loss of the Bulls at Capital Win Arena on Tuesday night. He, in that game in 28 39 off the bench, went 2 of 5 on threes, 4 of 5 on twos, finished with 14 points, 8 rebounds, and 3 assists versus two turnovers. Uh, also good for the Wizards in the loss of the Bulls at Capital Win Arena on Tuesday night uh, was Rui Hachimura. Uh, he has been starting lately. Uh, Rui on Tuesday night, 30 40 as a starter, 2 of 3 on threes, 6 of 7. On two's twos, finished with 21 points and four rebounds. So this is what matters more than anything for the Wizards at this point, how the young players are doing. And you are seeing some of these young guys do quite well, in addition to Kristaps Porzingis uh, largely doing really well here in his time with the Wizards. You know, next season, the idea of the big three for the Wizards being Bradley Beal, Kristaps Porzingis, and Kyle Kuzma. If all three of those guys are healthy and doing as they are capable of doing, you know, that's not a terrible big three. I mean, it's not an NBA championship caliber big three, but that's not a terrible big three. You know, that to me is a big three that could get you uh, to, say, 45 wins, which I know is not the ultimate goal here. But uh, it's been a while since the Wizards have been in that territory. Uh, I've liked a lot of what we've seen from Porzingis here so far during his time with the Wizards. Uh, next up for the Wizards, uh, Porzingis' former team of the Wizards will be home to the Dallas Mavericks Friday night at 7. So I on Monday's show, episode 280, uh, talked about the possibility of the Nationals number one prospect, starting pitcher Cade Cavalli being in the Nats opening day rotation. Uh, the thinking has been that Cavalli will begin his 2022 season pitching for AAA Rochester. But Cavalli had done well enough in exhibition games, his Grapefruit League season, and was enough of a highly regarded prospect. And the Nats are starving for starting pitching enough to where the notion of him being in the Nats' opening day rotation had become more plausible. Heck, Nats manager, Davey Martinez, after Cavalli's last exhibition outing had said, quote, I think we'll keep him here and let him throw again in five days and then we'll see where we're at, end quote. Uh, Well, (laughs) off seeing where Cavalli was at on Wednesday afternoon, the notion of him being in the Nats opening day rotation now would seem to be rather unlikely. Uh, The Nets on Wednesday afternoon lost a grapefruit league game to the St. Louis Cardinals. The final score of the game was 29-8. Yes, the final score of the game was St. Louis 29, Washington 8. Uh, Kurt Warner had four touchdown passes. Uh, Cavalli pitched in relief in the game and got hammered. Uh, Cavalli allowed 11 runs, 10 earned, in two and to third innings on eight hits, a walk, and a hit by pitch. Now, what's interesting is that the Nats' starting pitcher for this game was Anibal Sanchez. He, too, got shellacked. Uh, Sanchez allowed 10 runs in four innings on 12 hits and three walks. Uh, The Nats have signed Sanchez to a minor league deal. He, in the 2021 season, did not pitch in the majors. Uh, Sanchez last pitched in the majors in the 2020 season, uh, during which he was not good. Uh, Sanchez for the Nats in the 2020 regular season, 53 innings over 11 starts, an ERA of 662. And yet, so bad is the Nats pitching, so shallow is the Nats pitching depth that the recent thinking has been that Sanchez actually is likely to be in the Nats rotation to begin the 2022 regular season. Uh, now, who knows what to think? I mean, Sanchez looked horrendous on Wednesday afternoon, but so did the guy who may well have been a candidate to be in the Nats' season opening rotation over Sanchez, Cade Cavalli. Here's a larger point. The Nets' pitching looks like it may be even worse this season than the pitching was last season, and the pitching last season was brutal. But at least last season, the Nats had Max Scherzer Until late July, Uh, there is no pitcher on the Nats now who is anything close to a certainty in terms of pitching well in the upcoming season. Like maybe some guys will pitch well, but nobody is a certainty to pitch well. I actually think that the Nats' offense is going to be good. You know, the Nats' offense was good last season, even after the sell-off in late July. And a Nats lineup this coming season, featuring Juan Soto, Nelson Cruz, Josh Bell, has a lot of potential, especially if Cape Bert ruiz and Lane Thomas deliver on their promise. But the Nats' pitching looks like it's going to be terrible. I mean, the rotation to begin the season right now would appear to be Patrick Corbin, Josiah Gray, Eric Fetty, Josh Rogers, and Annabelle Sanchez. Uh the bullpen, who knows? I mean the Nats do have some relievers with talent, but uh the Nats bullpen ends up being a problem basically every season. If you're listening to this and you're a Nats fan, you know that. Uh you can always email me the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Tom. Greetings, Al. Hope you're on the mend. Could you tell me what the Nats are building? I'll go all Sergeant Schultz. I see nothing, nothing. Thanks. And keep up the good work. Well, thank you for the email, Tom. Yeah, man. I mean, the sad truth is that the Nats in their rebuild uh, may not have bottomed out yet. And I know that that's not what anyone wants to hear but that may well be the truth. Uh, the Nats have brought in a number of older placeholder type players this offseason. The team's farm system still isn't very good. Some of the younger players who the team does have aren't trending well, talking about Victor Robles and Luis Garcia and Carter Keboom. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's hard to paint a super bright picture for the Nats for the 2022 season. Uh, Now, of course, the Nats still have the best hitter on the planet in Juan Soto. Uh, The Nats do have some promising young players in Josiah Gray and K-Bert Ruiz. Uh, I think having Nelson Cruz on the Nats should be fun. You know, watching him hopefully slug 530 this coming season should be fun. Who knows? I mean, maybe we end up being surprised by some guys this coming season. But yeah, I mean, 29-8 was the final score on Wednesday for the Nats in an exhibition game loss. Baseball exhibition games mean very little. I totally get that. But that final score of 29-8 could be telling regarding what to expect from the Nats in their 2022 season. All right, real quick before we call it a show, uh, we on Wednesday afternoon had some Georgetown basketball news. Uh, no, Patrick Ewing is not out as Hoyas head coach. He remains Hoyas head coach despite Georgetown going 0-20 and in Big East games this season. But the Hoyas on Wednesday afternoon did announce that three of their players have entered the NCAA transfer portal. Uh, those three players are Timothy Igwefe, Tyler Beard, and Jalen Billingsley. Uh, Igoefe played the most of the three this past Hoya season. Igoefe is a big man, a seven-footer from Nigeria. So we have yet another big man leaving Patrick Ewing in Georgetown. Remember, Kudus Wahab last year transferred from Georgetown to Maryland, although Wahab uh, did end up having a disappointing season for the Terrapins. Look, we know how things go now in college basketball. Teams gain and lose players via the NCAA transfer portal every offseason. Uh, But still, I mean, it's not a good look. It's not a good development for Georgetown that, like, from the get-go here in the Hoyas offseason, right, you're seeing three guys enter the transfer portal. Now, maybe Georgetown's about to get some key guys via the portal. We'll see. Uh, But yeah, I mean... We just talked about the Nats and it being hard to paint a super bright picture for them right now. It is very difficult right now to paint a super bright picture for Georgetown basketball. I hope the Hoyas are good again sooner rather than later. But man, uh, this season was atrocious. Again, 0-20 in Big East games. That will do it uh, for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. Uh, You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me at podcast at yahoo.com. Friday show, episode 283, will feature a special guest to discuss the Commander's Stadium situation, Eric Flack, chief investigative reporter for WUSA 9. Uh, he has done some great reporting recently on the Commander's Search For a new stadium. He's broken multiple stories. I'm going to talk to Eric about the latest developments in the Commander Stadium saga, including Virginia looking like it is drastically reducing its stadium financing plan for the Commanders from a billion dollars in bonds to $350 million in bonds. Big time reduction uh, as Virginia apparently has realized that it was bidding against itself and apparently public reaction to the Commander Stadium project in Virginia has been underwhelming. Uh, There's a lot to go through, so we'll do a deep dive on the Commander's quest, a seemingly never-ending quest for a new stadium with Eric Flack. Well, it was nice to be back with you for this Thursday show. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and I'll talk to you on Friday.
2: I mean, we're an easy target. I get it. But quite honestly, I'm tired of it. I really am. But the only way to fix it is win. And that's the truth. I mean, that really is the truth. It's, it, you have to win. So that, that's, that's obviously our number one
4: priority is, 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 is building a football team that wins. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts